Becoming Wise is supported by the Fetzer Institute. I've had hundreds of big conversations, and my conversation partners share wisdom I carry with me wherever I go. I've never thought about happiness the same way since I spoke with the French-born Tibetan Buddhist monk Mathieu Ricard. I like his language of human flourishing as the real aspiration, that happiness is not a sensation or a feeling, it's a state of being that can encompass all of the things that happen in life. This is Becoming Wise. I'm Krista Tippett. You know, you're worldly wise and rational. And, um, and, and then you, we also live in this culture where the word happiness gets completely watered down. And so I want to just talk about um, how you define happiness because we have to put a lot of Yeah, I think that's very important because that's why also this word is so vague. Yeah, it's That, a you know, you can use it, you know, buy this uh, toothpaste and you'll be happy and, you know, okay, right. Good, right. good luck. So I think... We should clearly see what are the inner conditions that foster a genuine sense of flourishing, of uh, mm. fulfillment, that the quality of every instant of your life uh, has a certain quality that you appreciate fully. So you see, it's very different from people or sometimes imagining that constant happiness will be a kind of euphoria mm-hmm. Or endless succession of pleasant experiences. Right. Now, that's more like a recipe for exhaustion <laughs> than happiness. Right. Even the most pleasurable thing you eat, uh, you know, something very delicious. Once it's delicious, two, three times, okay, and then ten times you get nauseous. Yeah. The most beautiful music you, you hear five times, twenty-four hours is is, is a nightmare. Yeah. If we think of happiness as a way of being, a way of being that give you the resources to deal with the ups and downs of life, that pervades all the emotional state, including sadness. Right. So if you think of sadness, it's incompatible with pleasure, but it's compatible with what? With altruism, with inner strength, with inner freedom, with sense of direction and meaning in life. Oh, there are sad things, but if you don't fall in despair, still you maintain that uh, that wholeness and that sense of purpose right, so and this meaning. happiness also the way you describe it is something that en- can encompass sadness and grief can what encompass it contain can encompass these every things. mental state except those who are just opposite which is like despair hatred precisely the mental factors that will destroy inner peace inner strength inner right. freedom if you are under the grip of hatred you are not free you are the slave of your own thoughts mm-hmm. so that's not freedom therefore this is opposite to genuine flourishing and happiness so we have to distinguish mental factors which contribute to that way of being the cluster of qualities like altruistic love inner freedom and so forth from those who undermine that which is like jealousy, obsessive desire, hatred, arrogance. We call that mental toxins Hmm. because they poison our happiness and also makes us to relate to others in a poisonous way. So I imagine that people ask you, uh, how do I become happy? What do you say? How do you respond to that? Well, clearly by first saying yes, 
how the circumstances are important. I should do whatever I can, but I should certainly see that at the root of all that, there are inner circumstances, inner conditions. What are they? Well, just look at you. You know, if I say, okay, come, we'll spend the weekend cultivating jealousy, you know, who is going to go for that? We all know that, even say, well, that's part of human nature, but we, we are not interested in cultivating more jealousy, neither for hatred, neither for arrogance. So those, we would be much better off if they were not, didn't have such a grip on our mind. So there are ways to counteract those, to dissolve those. I mean, you cannot, in the same moment of thought, wish to do something good to someone or harm that person. So those are mutually incompatible, like hot and cold water. So the more you will bring benevolence in your mind, at every of those moments, there is no space for hatred. That's just very simple, but we don't do that. No, we do exercise every morning, 20 minutes to be fit. We don't <laughs> sit for 20 minutes to cultivate compassion. If we were to do so, our mind will change, our brain will change, what we are will change. So those are skills. They need to be first identified, then cultivated. What is good to learn chess? Well, you have to practice and all that. In the same way, we all have thoughts of altruistic love. Right. Who, who didn't have that? But they come and go. We don't cultivate them. Right. You learn the piano by playing 20 seconds every two weeks? It doesn't work. So why, by what kind of mystery, some of the most important quality of human beings will be optimal just because you wish so? doesn't make any sense. Right. I have a friend who is 63 years old. He used to be a runner when he was young. He gave up running. Now, a few years ago, he started again. He said, when I started again, I could not run more than five minutes without panting for breath. Now, last week, he ran the Montreal Marathon at 63. He had that potential, but it was useless until he actualized it. Mm -hmm. So, same potential we have for mind training, but we, if we don't do anything, it's not going to happen because we wish so. Mathieu Ricard's books include Happiness, A Guide to Developing Life's Most Important Skill, and Altruism, The Power of Compassion to Change Yourself and the World. Becoming Wise is produced at On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. Our team is Marie Sambilay, Lily Percy, and Chris Hegel, and our theme music is provided and composed by Zoe Keating. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.